As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And this episode of Two Girls, One Ghost is sponsored by BetterHelp and HelloFresh. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And I am Sabrina. Oh, and I meant I have my lighter. I want to start the show off by lighting my candles. Ooh, good call. I have two. I should light behind me. I'm going to save mine for for October. I only have probably enough in my stash for October, but you should do yours. I have mine going right here. I love it. The little one. And (gasps) oh, oh, do you see my my newest addition to our setup? Oh, the Book of the the Dead. dead. (laughs) Look, I also have the gift you gave me as part of my setup. People that were joining us on Patreon on our Patreon live yeah. last night saw us unwrap the gifts we <gasps> got each other for our birthdays. They also saw me wearing this you. same outfit that I wore yesterday <laughs> because I haven't changed. That's okay. Yeah, but I got you the Book of the Dead, uh-huh. the New York Times Book of the Dead. It's just a compilation of a ton of obituaries. Yes. So 
you might regurgitate some of the interesting information mm-hmm. you hear from us. And then Sabrina found an Etsy shop that had this ectoplasm. From like the it's 1800s, the right? Salem Society of Spiritual Research. Yes, it's from 1891. I think it's decor. Okay, well, let's just pretend it's real. Okay, well, I'm I'm hoping it's decor because I'm scared otherwise. <laughs> but it's so cool. It comes in a box like this. And, oh, oh. And then it says ectoplasm. You can see up close. Mm, that's a ghost soul in there. It's a soul. It's the spirit of a ghost. Yeah. So I'll just cl- noisily close this. Our editors are going to be like, why did you open a wooden crate? <laughs> so sorry. There we go. Because sorry. it's beautiful and we had to show everyone. I know. How yeah. exciting. So exciting. I have to figure out. I need to put this on display in a better way. I need to figure out what my exact background is going to be for. I know. And then we have to redo our frames months. so that we have spooky things happening. In I know. I actually – well, some of them I can't redo because they're like full – like they're oh. whatever. Yeah. Fully done. But I did up here, there's poison hemlock. <gasps> oh. So I thought that was spooky enough. Yeah, I love that. And then actually right here, you're going to be surprised. So I, I started figuring out some of it. Right here I have cats. <gasps> cats in you the alley. cats? The, oh, is it all the black yeah. cats? It's all the black mm-hmm. cats. And then you can't see the one up here, but it's this guy who I can't remember, but he's some famous guy. And he's dancing with a skeleton. Oh. So I'll just have to take pictures of it for everybody else I to see. I love it. Okay. I have to figure out because I think I'm in a similar situation where some of these I can't change, but I definitely – And some of them I feel like already go. Yeah, my Bill Murray you know? and the ones right in front of the candle go. But And then I can't change this one, but right. I can change – I think it's just like little rest. pockets of And you can't Halloween, see – You can't you know? see the one right now, but the one from our wedding, it's my dream photo because it looks like the picture from The Shining. Ooh. Should I Ooh. verge up real quick so everyone can see? Yeah. So oh. That one at the top. <laughs> I love it. It's so fun. Yeah. Are those black candles that you have on your background They too? are dark green, but they – Dark green. Yeah. Ooh. Moody. We'll pretend they're black. Uh, green. The elevator in my apartment complex tells you fun facts, and it was just saying how colors influence your feelings, mm. and green gives you peace. And all of this stuff. So now I'm like, I need to turn everything green. You do have the a elevator lot told me of plants. Too. Your plants instill peace, I think, in you. You have so many. You do. You do. You do. I did kill one. That's okay. I killed my basil. I'm just leaving him there. I had like this planter box I was so excited about. And I planted like, you know, I planted the pre, you know, the things that you buy at the grocery store, like the basil plants that have like the roots and stuff. And then mm-hmm. a mint plant. And they were doing so well. And then we went away for two weeks and came back. And now they're just like withering away, little like decrepit souls reaching out of the, the garden being like, you killed me. Um, you killed me. And then I – but Basil's hard though because you're supposed to water it like every freaking day. I know. You can't, it, it's too tough. But then I had these little seeds of a lettuce. Like I had lettuce, kale, romaine, a bunch of different things. And I planted them and they were budding. They, like they sprouted little like beautiful tiny baby. No way. But then – I think critters ate but them. But then you went away. No, but before I went Wait, away, who? I think little creatures, critters, animals, mm. cryptids. I don't know. Someone came and ate them and I little was like, cryptids. well, at least someone ate this food. Not me. Um, I have to tell you, so we're starting to-ish look for a house. Mm-hmm. So the search starts, but if anyone's purchased a home in Massachusetts or in the Boston area, or they'll know that the search – uh yeah or if like city city people too the search once you start could take two to three years so it's uh it's not like i'm gonna have a house tomorrow but 
there was this house that our realtor had suggested that we go to. It wasn't in a town that we had originally been looking at, but it was a really good price. Uh, and it was huge. It was like 5,000 plus square feet. And we were like, holy moly. Like It was unreal that this was within our yeah. price range. And, and she was like, let's just go look at it. Like, you know, that this wasn't where you guys were originally looking, uh-huh. which surprise, surprise, we're looking around Salem. Mm, I would die. <laughs> My favorite place. I would love if you yeah, but him. Oh, I know, right? I know. Part of me was like, oh, I want, I want to like have a house right Fulfill there. Fulfill all you your move, witchy dreams. Or before you move, before you come and visit so that we can just putz around Salem oh, nonstop. So fun. But anyway, we go into this house. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's huge. So of course you'd expect to be like really dazzled and be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, see all the possibilities, all the parties you could throw. Me and my fiance Brian and our realtor all walk out of the house and go, that was really weird, wasn't it? There was something with the energy and all of us felt it. And we all were just like, nope, no, nope, nope, heebie-jeebies. Oh my God. And it was, it, I mean, it was our, it was our chance for a mansion. But and we all walked a, there's a like, reason that, that it was happen. so affordable, I guess. Yeah, I know. I don't know. It was, there's something off. But now I'm like, wow. now I get to do the things that we always talked about where it's like, when you enter a space, what do you feel? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be yeah. bad? And now we've, we felt a lot of nothing. We felt one that was really warm. And now this is our first one. We were like, nope, bad vibes, bad vibes, Yikes. bad vibes. It does make you wonder what's going on in there. Do the, do the people who own it feel that way mm. too? Or are they creating Ooh. the bad energy? See, this is why you can't buy a house sight unseen because it's all about the vibes. You need to know. Yeah, you have to feel. You got to feel it. Feel it out. Because otherwise, I think anyone would want to buy this house. Yeah. I think someone did. They didn't feel the vibes, I guess. Or they ignored it. <laughs> gotta They're feel like, the vibe. Eh, I can get rid of this. What's that song? Like, feel the vibes. Gotta vibe. Yeah, that one. Baby, are you coming for the ride? Wow. I just love looking to yep. That's how yeah. we feel about houses. It's a f- oh also, wait, happy pumpkin spice latte day. Oh, today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. It's we're recording on August. Did they 30th. intro any other August thirtieth? Starbucks has announced all of their fall drinks. Their fall drinks are um, out. Are there any new ones? Let's take a look. Why don't we peruse the menu? Yeah, Starbucks is fall Let's see. menu. Anything new for us to try? Um, my I go-to do love pumpkin spice latte. My go-to is I do a black iced coffee with like one pump of the pumpkin latte spice thing mm-hmm. because it, sometimes it's too sugary for me. Okay, yeah, sometimes it is. Starbucks's pumpkin spice latte returns Tuesday, which is today, August thirtieth. See what else is on the fall menu. <laughs> okay, what else? Whereas I need like a list. I don't like when it's like read through this whole. I'm thing. curious. So my um, favorite drink is an iced dirty chai. That's oh, what I always I order when I go chai. to Starbucks. And so I wonder, I wonder if the chai syrup and the pumpkin syrup mixed together would be really mm. good, or that's just going to be weird. No, try it. Too many flavors. That's such a good no, idea. But like chai, yeah, like a chai icing on pumpkin bread. That's a thing. Okay, I'm oh, going to try pumpkin it. Pumpkin bread is so good. I'll report good. back. Okay, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. It says the apple crisp macchiato is also back, which was introduced last mm-hmm. year. Oh, a spiced apple drizzle. That sounds good. That does sound good. Let's see what else. The pumpkin cream cold brew. Um, it doesn't really look like this is a full menu. So this article lied to me. Is there a cup design? Don't they normally do that where it's like, here's the... The fall cup. The fun design. I don't mm-hmm. know. I feel like it caused drama in the past few years. Oh, God. This is making me designs. want this so bad. I know. <laughs> Next time we record, ooh, ooh, for Halloween, we should come with our pumpkin spice lattes. Basic bitches, here we come. 
Uh, oh, for us? Yeah. Oh, to... I'm sorry. I thought you meant there was something on the menu that we're going to oh. really love because we're basic bitches. But you're saying that because yeah. it's our basic bitch holiday, which <laughs> we'll own it and we freaking yeah. love it. And I don't think there's anything basic about no, it. No, there's not. Well, there is. But, but if it's that's okay. the definition of basic, then I want to be president. I'm a basic booch and come at me. It's what you're I wearing very pumpkin spice I colors. Am. And you, we're Halloween-y today. You're black. I'm orange. <gasps> We are. We are. Wait, we were like this yesterday too. Yeah, this is why I didn't change. <laughs> I worked out between and I showered, but I put it back on because it's so comfortable. Actually, Corinne gave this to me. It's a nightgown, but it doubles as like a nice, fancy, looks like professional shirt. It does. Yeah. It does look nice. Thank you. I want one for myself. I'm drinking out of my fantasy football mug. <gasps> Tis um, the season. Tis the season. Corinne, did you win I'm last just year? remembering the time. It was two years ago. My gosh. I didn't play last year. Because we didn't have one at the place that I was working at. But uh, when I was working two jobs two companies ago, mm-hmm. I, much to the dismay of all of the male members of the office and a few of the female members of the office that were very into football and knew what they were doing, um, I won. Corinne <laughs> so, won. Hell yeah. Proud of you. Yeah. I was actually telling my uncle the other day that I... I won that. It's like one of my proudest accomplishments. I won. And he didn't believe me that I picked my team by looking at pictures of them and pretending to be their mom and which one I felt the most joy like emanating from as their mother. I would argue that that method takes a lot more energy and time commitment than the like looking at their stats. It's a, It was like a little Reiki moment, yeah. you know, like you put your you hand over, you see where the energy's buzzing and you're like. Got it. So does this episode feel the vibe? And look. Or gotta get a vibe. It paid whatever off. it's called, the song. I th- got a vibe. Uh, yeah. yeah. So now I have a mug and I think I won like $100 or something. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. So we're basic bitches who also win fantasy football. Although I I did the same thing as you my first few years. I won three years in a row. <laughs> and then ever <laughs> since then, I've been like last place. I, so I don't know what happened. Did you play against Nick? Yeah. Oh, that must have pissed me off. <laughs> Nick was mad that I was winning fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't even – we're not even <laughs> in the same league. I know. And he was like, I can't believe you. you're about to He's win. He's just jealous because he football, wants to win. Actually, more than anything, he wants the Vikings to win the Super Bowl. And if they do, mm-hmm. we will attend because it's a lifelong dream yeah. of his. Oh. What? When did mm, – never mind. I'm going to ask dumb questions about sports. And, and I will not I have just, the answer. Right. I, I realized you wouldn't. So I was like, why am I going to ask this? Why don't I just Google it later? We could, we could uh, consult a friend in a bit. We can pull Nick in if we need to. Phone a friend? Phone a friend. You know, he would love to be on oh the gosh, podcast. I, yeah. <laughs> What's that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's time. Should we do spooky stories? It's time. Yes. Wait. But should we first talk about our sponsor? Yes, we should. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. One of the things that I really enjoyed about BetterHelp was that you could switch between, or you can switch between, doing chat and the video and the phone, like you were saying. And that was super helpful for me because sometimes I don't have all of the energy to do consistently the same format every single time. And so the flexibility was really nice. And now that winter's coming and I suffer from seasonal depression very, very badly, I feel like that is going to be even more useful. Yeah. And you can chat your therapist anytime, which is really nice. So like if anything comes up during the week, you can just say, hey, wanted to touch base. It's great. 
Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash T-G-O-G. That's betterhelp.com slash T-G-O-G. Okay. I'll be honest here. I was nervous. I woke up with anxiety at 6 a.m. because for some reason in this new format where one of us does the majority of the research, Mm -hmm. I just feel pressure. Like I feel nervous. I mean, that's what I felt last (laughs) week. Welcome to my life. Yeah, I'm like, if I screw up, this is this is like solely on me. We, we all know that I up. fudged up this episode. You will not screw up. Not only have we been doing this for <sighs> five years, Corinne, it's the same thing. It's just I'm not going afterwards. Yeah. And okay. I'm here to back you up. And so is Leia. She's even here. Did you hear her little like chirps? She's here to support you. I mm-hmm. am so excited for this. We have been putting off talking about this. But yeah, we've been sitting on our hands for five years because this topic felt so big. Yeah. And previously we were like, how would how how could we and how would we tackle this? And this is how. Uh, so this is how. We are going to talk the lost colony of Roanoke. Yes, we and are. And this is a two-part. <gasps> what? Our first two-parter. Woo, party. <laughs> So we'll see if everyone's like, Corinne's not allowed to do episodes by herself and Corinne's not allowed to do two parts after this. But yes, hopefully you won't feel that way. No, it's going to be amazing. I hopefully can't you'll wait. be like, wow, so researched. How historic. It's going to be great. <laughs> and there's also a lot of um, players that come into play in the Roanoke story. So mm-hmm. I've gone ahead and prepared a quick take on each person you bring up. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Well, how, not each how f- because I don't know. I don't know everyone. Yeah, bring I'm up, like you didn't but, see my research. There's a lot of people in here, but I did listen to like quite a few podcasts about Roanoke and um, I formed some. Yeah, you can fill in the gaps anywhere. Yeah, I miss. and I formed some judgments on the people involved in this story, and I'm kind of going to do it like my like what I would write in their yearbook. I love this. <laughs> a little like a superlative or what their bio would be. Um, like what their senior quote. Uh, oh, we could do senior quotes. I'll come up with quotes for them at, on the fly. Um, I'm more of a okay. like if I would write in their yearbook or not, you know? You know what came up the other day when I was, again, at a wedding because every weekend I'm at a wedding, but there were a bunch of people from high school and someone was like, this is cringe. She sees dead people. And I was <laughs> like, why did I not put that as my senior quote? Oh my gosh. I'm pissed. If I could go back 15 years, that would be it. I think I put like a Kesha but quote. <laughs> that doesn't, does not surprise me at all. Okay. In 1587, okay. around 115 men, women, and children were left on the Roanoke Island. When help returned three years later, they found the group to have disappeared. The only clue, a cryptic word carved into a tree. Croatoan. Croatoan. This is the mystery of Roanoke, ah. the lost colony. A mystery that has baffled researchers, archaeologists, and explorers for years. And as historian Adrian Masters puts it, Roanoke is the Area 51 of colonial history. Yes. Which is why we love it. We love it. It actually gives me, what's the colony you spoke about or like the group of people we you spoke about? Oh God, it was so long ago that truly just disappeared. It was somewhere in like Machu Picchu? Canada, maybe? It was a tr- I have no idea. Okay, I'll have to think of it. I'm pretty sure you did an episode. I'm, no, I'm positive you did an episode on it. And like, I don't know. Or maybe I'm like combining things. There's also like the group of people on the ship that froze. The people that froze. Yeah. What was that? Like 
the USS Nimmin something. something. That's yeah. probably totally wrong. Might have been. Anyway, this one, this one is what we know of it is still baffling everybody to this day, but there are some new clues. There is some new evidence coming into play here. So to understand how this could happen, we need a little bit of backstory on the time period and the players and the growing tensions and the relationships with the native people of North America. So let's dive into the history and mystery. And I'll Ooh, say now, the history and the mystery. The history and the mystery. I'll say now that uh, there are a lot of people. So I'm going to try my best to make this not confusing for everybody. Yeah. And there are also a lot of Native American tribes and people's names. And I did a lot of research into how to pronounce these names. And sometimes uh, there was no information on it. So I'm going to try my best. Uh, but there's there's a good opportunity here or a, a pretty good chance that I'll screw up. So if you know how to pronounce it, let us know. Yeah. Comment on Instagram or put this in the, the comments of YouTube so that we can learn. Yell at us. <laughs> As Give people us one so star and do. say, say, I don't believe in ghosts. Grow up. Yeah. <laughs> I sent this to Corinne recently. There was a one-star review that said the subject was grow up. Paranormal is not real was the body of it. And it's like, okay, then don't listen to a paranormal podcast. <laughs> Why did you, you click on us? You ding dong. Oh, okay. All right. So the lost colony of Roanoke, this is in the time that Queen Elizabeth was in reign over England and Ireland, which is a bit of a quick callback to episode 160 because Sabrina, you covered her mother, Anne Boleyn. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of mysteries and a lot of ghosts within British royal history. So Queen Elizabeth, at the time, she's dealing with a lot. She has to wade through all of this political drama. She's trying to avoid war. She's trying not to clash with other nations. And she's having a go at many husbands and relations <laughs> and relatives to uh, try to produce her heir. She did, I think, a cousin impregnated her eventually. So Having her go yeah. at husbands. Yeah. Having her go at husbands. Uh, and then she's also partially responsible for sending her cousin turned eventual baby daddy's mom, Mary Queen of Scots, to prison. So she's just, there's a lot going she's on. She's busy. Her life's pretty busy. Yeah, she's she's causing some drama and also trying to steer away from some of it. So she's all over the place. There's a lot of pressure uh, on her, this too. this life, totally. And the life does sound pretty exhausting, which I can under, understand why. So yeah. she gathers up a bunch of other men and is like, you know what? Despite everything that's going on, let's be competitive out here. All these other people are going to explore they're sailing to the west to these new lands. Mm -hmm. You need to also go and see what we can do and set up colonies. Mm -hmm. And so Queen Lizzie became a colonizer. Of course. <laughs> she sent men to America to do this. She hires Sir Walter Raleigh to pick up where his late brother left off. And he sails – well, he doesn't sail. But he ta is tasked with creating the very first English colony in North America. And he has no real direction in terms of where he needed to go. He could pretty much go wherever he wants. She's like, do whatever you want. Bring back gold and give me one-fifth of it. Which Resources. is a really good deal. Yeah. But also one-fifth. If I were the queen, I'd be like, you owe me 95%. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, I think she's already the queen. She has a lot of money. I guess she doesn't need it all. I guess. I don't know. I feel like the power would really go to my head. Okay, I'm pretty sure Walter Raleigh is the first person I have a superlative for. Or not a superlative. Okay. I've heard he's a jerk. And he might be like... Most people in this story are. Yeah. But I heard he, there's like two people specifically in this story that are like really big jerks. And it's Walter and then someone else who would come up later. And mm -hmm. 
I know exactly who you're talking I about. I think I'm going to put like devil horns on his photo in my yearbook. Okay. I love that. Yeah. That's a perfect illustration. Okay. Yeah. There's some things and there's some things about him that will come up in part two of this as well. So if we don't get all of the devil horn uh, evidence and, and facts coming forth, it will yes. be a part of part two. Yes. But devil horns on Raleigh. Great. So he can go wherever he wants. He just has to give a fifth of his his can do. gold, his treasure to the queen. Yeah. But he's actually not allowed to leave England. So instead, he has to hire different people, different men and, and groups of people to go over. And he orchestrates from across the pond, sending these people to go colonize on his path. So in 1584, Raleigh sends Philip Amatus and Arthur Barlow to America. They get to the Roanoke area. And we now know Roanoke Island area to be in Dare County, North Carolina. But at the time, it seemed to these English folk that this was unsettled land. Though it was not because it was populated by yes. many, many Native people and different Native American tribes. I mean, this is the story with every colony, like any colonization, especially of the Americas or like it. Mm -hmm. We pretend like we were the first people here, the first settlers. And it's like, well, no, we stole and robbed land from people. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the native people of this land would suffer because of these yes, conquests greatly. very, very greatly. Like syphilis and, and all in America, types of like diseases and everything. And then also just totally being, take their resources just being taken from them. Yeah. And that's never been corrected. I mean, people yeah. are still very much suffering in America from these groups today. And a lot of these groups never they they were they didn't survive right. the past four uh, decade or oh my gosh centuries yeah the past four centuries like there's a lot of groups that were players at this time that don't exist anymore which is upsetting Very sad, yeah okay so they meet the Secatan the native people who controlled the area and apparently this group of colonists they vibe with the Secotans so. They get along, they establish good relations, which I'm like, how much truth is there to that? Mm -hmm. But apparently they got along. And Amanis and Barlow are like, wow, these people are really kind. They're super hospitable. I think there's room for us here. And so they leave in for England again, and they bring with them two native people, Wenchis, who is Secatan, and Monteo, who is Croatan, and whose mother was chieftain of Croatoan Island. So they're now in England. This group of explorers, these Englishmen, colonists, colonizers, uh, and these two people from who are representatives of two of the native tribes of the area, they go back to England and they tell Queen Elizabeth that this is a great spot. And Raleigh, who's orchestrating all of these, mm -hmm. that this is a great spot to send a full colony of people. The land is bountiful. It is the Garden of Eden. And so this man named Ralph Lane... Who I think is the other yes, asshole, he, he's a probably jerk. On your list. Okay, so there's three jerks in this story. Okay, there's three jerks. Okay, so Ralph Lane is next for Raleigh to send to Roanoke Island with a few other people, including Monteo and Winchise. So they get sent back to their own native land. So that was one of the big questions where I was like, uh oh, what happened to these people right. that were just brought over to England? They apparently were returned and were a big part of helping the colonists integrate in or attempt to integrate in with the native people of the land. And that's like the kind of the most incredible part of this story is that the native peoples were so giving and helpful to the colonizers in the beginning. The only reason any white person survived as long as they did was because, because the they were getting aid and assistance. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough, tough subject. Yeah. yeah. So – 
they head for Roanoke Island because this is going to be the best spot for them to have access to the ocean, but also avoid detection from Spanish patrols. There was a lot of privateering, which is basically pirating, happening at the time. And there was a lot of colonization from from other countries too. And so, you know, if the Spanish had, had seen them, they likely would have been attacked. So they wanted to be in the best spot for them to have visibility and also to be a bit hidden and yeah. to have a quick getaway. And Roanoke Island, they thought, was the perfect space for all of this. So they set up shop. They build the Roanoke Fort. The colony quickly constructs buildings like a church, a jail, etc. But there is a problem. Once they're there, Lane, who is not a nice guy, his relationship with the Native people is trash. And they're running out of supplies. Mm-hmm. There are many tribes in this area, so you'll hear me name a few, like the Croatan, the Sekotan, and the Aquascagak. I hope I said that name correctly. But Lane doesn't get along with pretty much any of them. God damn, He's Lane. mostly murdering them. So. Lane, get... God, I just... Get the fuck out. Get out. Yeah, get out. Well, he's dead now. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, he uh, might have been reincarnated is- and I'm still... Get out. I know, get out. An example of his cruelty is that after misplacing a silver cup, Lane's people blamed it on the Aquascagak people, demanding that they cough up the stolen goods. And the people there were like, uh, we don't have your cup. We never took your cup. So Lane's crew burned the entire town down and its crops, forcing the Native people to flee. So his reputation (sighs) precedes him. And the Native people anticipate Lane and his colonies as they arrive and kind of venture out and explore different areas out from the Roanoke Island uh, home base, which bites him in the butt because he's pretty dependent on the Native people for help securing food for his colony. They don't know what they're doing. And so they start working again, kind of back and forth to restore this relationship with the Native people. And with some persuading, Ranchis and Mateo, the Secatan, and the neighboring villages did give some food. They provided venison, fish, oysters to help these people get through winter, which is incredibly kind. Yeah. Especially because they are being slaughtered. Yeah. And their homes are being burned to the ground. And it wasn't this group like 14 men or something like that. Like it, it, or not 14, maybe a little bit more, but it's mostly men in this group. Oh, it's a very small, yeah. it's a Just small men. group. Yeah, I think there's 15, 15 soldiers It's like very military. Total. Yeah. So they, they are not going totally. with this like mindset of harmony. They are going with this mindset of domination and military. Exactly. So they are, yeah, they, they're already going in with bad intentions. Right. And a lot of the areas where Native people, a lot of the Native groups that were set up were were smaller groups of people. There were, of course, larger groups mm-hmm. and a lot of, uh, you know, like they had their own different tie-ins and, and relations when it came to power and who who was like the chief of who. But for the most part, a lot of the groups that they were, that these men, these European men were coming across were smaller groups of yeah. families. You know, it was very harmonious before they came. And then unfortunately, pretty much another component as to why these people were giving them venison and shellfish and all of this stuff was because Lane would kidnap the people and hold them ransom in exchange for food. So altogether, not great. The colony, they were growing corn and they were quickly working through all of the food and supplies that they had brought on the ship. And the natives, the native tribes are now like, screw these people. 
They keep killing us. They keep kidnapping us. And now they're giving all, all of these diseases to us. We're dying of smallpox, of measles, you yeah. know, there's syphilis. Like there's a lot that's happening. And so they're like, we're done. No more help. And they literally retreat. Like when the men are going down the riverbanks and whatnot, like they'll, the native people will run away. So it's becoming a lot more difficult for Lane and his men because everybody knows what's to come if they encounter yeah. them to get any, any food. Right. So Without assistance from the native tribes, the colonists would surely die. So Lane's trying to make peace again, and lucky for him, an opportunity arises because there's a power shift amongst some native tribe leaders. Secatan leader, Grant Ganemio, who was a powerful advocate for the colony despite his people's reluctance to help Lane and the people, he passes away. So when Gina took power and changed his name to Pemisipan, which means the one who watches, and Pemisipan did not like how overtly reliant everyone was on them, and he was pretty suspicious of Lane's group, hmm. which makes total sense. Yeah, fair. So it's there's super no like fair. subtle. Like I don't there's no subtlety. That. There's no subtle sub- suspicion there. It's like very outright, right? Violent, totally. Lane jerk scribbled out in my yearbook. Yep, devil horns and the tail coming up. Yeah, just I like I probably started with that, the but then I like you know I took a black sharpie and just like scribbled out his whole face because I was like I don't even yes, want to know hate him. him. Yeah, he has a spot in the burn book yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Pumas fans like, mm, I'm going to push these people a little bit. I'm going to see how much they can really be trusted. And I'm going to see how much I can do to give us the upper hand here. So Lane is none the wiser. He's just stupid butt face <laughs> and he has no idea what's going on. So Pumas Pan and Lane are talking. Lane thinks that they're buds. They're communing. They're, you know, scheming together, figuring out ways to colonize and f- and where to mm-hmm. go next. And so Lane is explaining to Pemisipan his exploration plan beyond the Secatan territory. He wants to explore more of the land. He wants to get more food. Maybe he's going to move this entire colony, which is really just, like you said, a small group of soldiers. And Pemisipan's like, cool, cool, cool. But did you know that everybody is planning on attacking you? <laughs> I met with my allies and Chief Menatonin told me that there are 3,000 warriors gathering to attack you in your colony. And Lena's like, oh my gosh, I did not know this. What could have caused me. this? Wow. What a surprise. Wow. Okay, so Owen Wilson Lane- over there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It did sound like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think Owen Wilson's a whole lot better of a guy than Lane is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry to Owen, Sir Owen. Uh, Sir. But Lane is like, yikes. Let's uh, gather the people. Let's get ready for a fight. I'm going to grab my soldiers. We've got, you know, weapons that can uh, do some do some damage. And let's had, head to this battle site. So, they get there. But to his surprise, it's just a gathering of representatives from each tribe who are there peacefully. There are no thousands of warriors ready to attack. They're there peacefully, not anticipating or planning an attack of their own, but because they thought Lane wanted to meet to talk about relations and their counsel had been requested. So they gathered trustingly together and were sitting ducks. Essentially what happened was Pemisipan, Remember, he wants to he wants to get the upper hand and he wants to make Lane look even more stupid and dangerous than he already is. Okay. 
So Pemisipan, what he did was he went to Lane and said, hey, everybody's going to attack you. Oh, so he stirred the pot. And so Lane got all ready for a fight. But he also went to Menatonin, another leader, and said, your council and everybody else's is requested. Can you gather everybody? So everybody trusting Menatonin and Lane trusting Pemisipan and Menatonin trusting Pemisipan came together. Oh, and, no. uh Yeah. I mean, as we can guess, Lane was really hyped up and aggressive still. His ego didn't immediately go down to right. to match everybody else's affect. Uh, and he was ready for attack. And so he pretty much did. He kidnapped Menatonin. But Menatonin gains Lane's trust, tells him what he wants to hear, says you'll find copper, you'll find riches, waterways here and there. And so he saves, gets saved. Like he he doesn't get murdered, thank God. Okay. But Pemispan's still trying to do everything that he can to get Lane kicked out of the popular kids' table. <laughs> if this is our high school reputations here. So Pemispan's plan worked, obviously. Lane looks even crazier than he did before, and nobody trusts them or wants to help them. Mm-hmm. It's been so back and forth with them getting help, them not getting help, them getting help, them not getting help. Uh, but the villagers, this time, cold turkey, no help, no food. We're not talking to you. We will attack own. you. Yeah. You're on your own. And so Lane is like, "Mm, I don't think this is fun anymore. I'm going to go home. (laughs) A little temper tantrum. A little temper tantrum. And so Pemispan is like, okay, great. But also, how are you even alive still? (laughs) This is incredible that you've even lived this long. So Lane tells his people to break up into smaller, more non-threatening groups and to beg for food in the outer banks and the mainland. Uh, They actually shoot Pemispan and put his severed head on a stake outside of the colony. And then Lane leaves for England. What the heck? Yeah, till unfortunately as old as time when it comes to yeah, what happened here in America. Yeah. A couple years later, in 1857, John White is next up to lead the expedition to this area. He, John White's my favorite. I like him. He's the only guy in this okay, story. He's, kind of, he's the decent guy. Yeah, he's the only one that would be like, okay, I want to be in a couple clubs with him and like – you know, I'll, I'll yes. ask John to sign my yearbook. He also wasn't he on he the expedition with Lane, but he was just like the map. The, he was the he artist. Was. Like he wasn't the military he guy. Was. He was there to map out and draw. He's an artist. He like was exactly the one detailing. He's super places. talented. Yeah. So there's not there's not a ton known about about John White's past and who yeah. he was, but but we do know that he was a very talented yes. artist. And he is actually responsible for a lot of the early maps that we have of America, yeah. at least from Englishmen. Yes. Um, so yeah, he was on that initial journey first, which yeah. is even more more surprising that he turned out to be a, a good decent, person. Decent ish guy. I mean, of course he like stumbles. He, you know, there's not perfect. There's yeah. still tension and and deaths that happen. Um, but in comparison to what he saw Lane do when he was on that trip, he's <laughs> Yes. So he's doing really I heard really well. in the rumor mill that John White was kind of the reason in the beginning, the native tribes were so giving, I think, but I heard down, you know, the line, um, that he spent a lot of time with the natives and was actually drawing and painting a lot of them and he was trying to learn their language and i love that he was really vital in having communications with one another whereas like lane was just like screw everyone i'm gonna go through with a blazing fire john white was like i'm gonna take time to try to understand their languages and and help them understand he was assimilating he wasn't bulldozing yeah exactly yeah yeah that's really nice i mean that good guy you know he's not 
I'm curious who the other asshole is that you have on, on your I'll list. I'll get to it. I think it's actually hate. during this extra day. So he, because then John White, the reason he gets to ex- lead the next expedition is because he was so jazzed about the previous one. Like he was like, there's so much potential and he had like a positive outlook about it. And Raleigh is like, great. You're a great person yeah, to send please. over to the Americas. Yes. Yeah, so Raleigh has John take 100 people with him, including John's own pregnant daughter, and they set sail for Roanoke. And all of the men who are the head of households, uh, one of the things that's, uh, I guess, a reason to go is that you are promised 500 acres of land if you're a male head of mm-hmm. household, which is so huge. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're being told like this is the Garden of Eden, there's so many opportunities here. Like everybody is going to help you and you're going to be like so set up for for the future. Wouldn't you volunteer to go whether you're a soldier or not? It, I mean, that sounds awesome. Right. And clearly John John felt good about it because he brought his own pregnant daughter yeah. with him as well. The Though whole he did family. leave his wife behind in England. Yeah. Minus his wife. Yeah. Right. So his daughter and his son-in-law are also included um, and they're told of treasures of land and gold and all the possibilities. Yeah. So they're all pretty stoked. Which is interesting because I don't think up until this point, they didn't bring any gold back, right? Like I think the only resource was like sassafras. No, totally. Yeah. And John was John was on that first expedition. Right. Like so he, knows. he knows it's not the Garden of no. Eden. <laughs> yeah, he saw the violence. <laughs> it's not going to be that yeah. easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's interesting, but I think that there's a lot of from the time, uh, it's hard to trust. And this is part of the reason that Roanoke is such a mystery, because a lot of what is written in people's journals and in uh, their accounts of of their encounters with land and Native people and what they're seeing, you have to take it at face value yeah. because there was a lot of embellishments. A lot of people were straight up lying to be able to get access and funds to have ships where they could literally just go pirate and pillage. Yes. So. A lot of it, I mean, historians are definitely working to try to decipher what is accurate and what was. Yeah. And there's also not a ton of great record keeping. Like John no. White wrote like he wrote a journal entry on like the very first day of the expedition and then didn't write another one in for like seven days or something like that. So it was, yeah, it was a long time yeah. in between. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Raleigh also sign, sends Simon Fernandez. Is this, this the is the other jerk. A-hole. Yeah, this is jerk alert big jerk. Jerk, jerk, jerk alert. Jerk. Uh, Fernandez is sent on this boat too because he's an expert navigator and he's there to assist an John expert White. jerk is but more an, like it. An expert <laughs> jerk. Uh, and probably the reason that John spent so much time uh, in between journaling and not journaling yeah. is because he uh, was kind of fighting but also kind of not with Fernandez. John was kind of a he was kind Push of a doormat. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Fernandez was pretty aggressive. I get it, John. It's hard to be assertive. <laughs> I'm trying. He didn't want conflict. Uh, but unfortunately, because he wasn't yeah. he wasn't assertive. Assertive and doing what he needed to as the person leading this expedition, it ended up uh, with a lost colony of Roanoke. So we'll get yes. into some of these details. So Fernandez is an expert navigator, but does not respect John at all and does not listen to him. Fernandez screws up a few times, costing them a lot of supplies and time. And eventually, after like an extra week of sailing beyond what they were supposed to do, they get to Roanoke Island. They're only supposed to be here and stop at Roanoke Island for some time, for a very quick amount of time, because they're looking for English soldiers that were left there to see how they're doing and to check on them. And then the whole crew, the 100 plus people on John's boat are supposed to continue on to Chesapeake Bay. Yes. So 
They get to Roanoke Island, and John and the colony get to land. And they find abandoned homes. They find a half-buried skeleton of one of the soldiers. And this discovery is super unsettling because this dark, barren island has clearly been attacked. And there's a soldier that wasn't given a proper burial, which means it's either – it's an indication that the soldiers – the other soldiers buried him in haste or that someone else buried this soldier. So apparently, like, they got there and it was late at night. And the first thing they see is this, like, half-buried soldier. I'm imagining that, like, the other soldiers didn't even bury him. It was just, like, he's kind of half-skeleton-like, meaning, like, yeah, over he's, like, time. Yeah, decomposed. The, yeah, the, like, sand has, like, washed up onto him, and he's based on tides. Totally. And they apparently had to spend the night there on the sandy beaches before embarking into the forts because they were like, it's too late. It's too dark. This is suspicious. The the soldiers usually come and meet us when we when they see our ships approaching, but they're not here. So it's mysterious. What's happening? It's uh, and no also bueno. Fernandez abandoned them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to add to the <laughs> troubles. Yeah, yeah. The reason they couldn't just get back on the boat <laughs> was because Fernandez was like, "Peace out, see Girl you. Scouts." Yeah, no supplies. He the whole the whole time Fernandez was like, "I just am trying to get these people off my boat." And I don't even care about their supplies or them because he – it was just another excuse for him to do the privateering, for him to go pirate. He's awful. Yeah. So he was like – yeah, he he abandoned them. <laughs> they were stuck on Roanoke Island. It's where they're not Jack supposed Sparrow. to be with a dead skeleton of the person who came before them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Fernandez is like, I'm leaving you. And John White, I wrote he – John White says, okay, I guess <laughs> – <laughs> because he was such a pushover. And then John White angrily journals about this conflict in his diary. So he doesn't actually doesn't say, say anything, anything to Fernandez. Yeah. He says nothing. And then he's like, Fernandez was so mean to me today. <laughs> I'm really hurt. But I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to create conflict. It's fine. We're just stranded here. 115 of us. My pregnant daughter me with this <laughs> right? half-buried skeleton soldier. And oh, it's okay. The fact that everyone has disappeared mysteriously from this island for the first time, that won't happen again. Yes. Yes. I mean, every reason for him to be dramatically journaling I just picture the facial expressions he's doing while he's doing it too. Like really like like, furiously, his wrist hurts afterwards, his cramps. Yeah. Do you do this when you write for podcast episodes? Because I notice I do it too. And then I get embarrassed when Brian will walk in the room because I'll be like, (laughs) like, like you get into like characters. So intense. Yeah, I do that. I also, when I'm writing action sequences or anything, I feel like I act them out and I'm like, and then he kicks and I like get into my physical form. Yeah. Yes. I noticed yesterday that I was doing that in the bathroom. I, I realized <laughs> once my reflection made like an aggressive – my thought. I was reacting to a thought I had. I wasn't even writing. But I was just like picturing – I don't even remember what I was doing. But suddenly I was like – my arm was in the air and I was like, what am I doing? I need to control my body right now. Like thoughts can stay inside. They don't have to be everywhere. Oh, I love the brain. The fact that Dramatic. like you just were in like some like weird subconscious trance that like you're – but your brain signaled your arm to do that. I was. And it wasn't was even fully, a conscious thought. Fully, yeah. yeah. No. And then I was like, oh, good thing the door is closed and no one's in yeah. here. This is this weird behavior <laughs> for me. Okay. So the group reluctantly sets up camp because they are abandoned. They have no other option. Uh, and they, too, struggle. Because, again, this area is not the Garden of Eden that they had been promised. And these people don't really know how to survive on this land. They don't have a ton of supplies left because Fernandez is dumb and took way too long to get there and lost half their stuff at sea. 
And also, Lane's previous expedition didn't quite help with maintaining good relations with the Native people, so there wasn't immense help there either at first, and there was still a lot for John White to reconstruct in terms of relationships. So soon, the colonists of Roanoke and the Native people begin to have better relations, and they mostly stay in their agreed-upon areas of the island, and they occasionally help each other out and communicate. Mm-hmm. But there is a misunderstanding that leads to an attack that leaves many Native people dead. And so once again, this jeopardizes the colonists uh, as people don't – they're reluctant to help them. Yeah. Um, John is doing what he can to better this relationship. He's apologizing. He's working with the chiefs and the leaders of the Native people. Um, but also, John can't help that he is a white guy from England, and so he's still trying to push his Christianity on them. Yeah. And he's like, we'll leave you alone. We'll give you all this land. But also, do you want to be Christian? Do you want to come worship so, our God? Right. It's not super straightforward. There's like many levels yeah. into how people are communicating and what is being pushed on them and what's actually being yeah. decided upon in a respectful uh, and agreed upon way. Yeah. So yeah. there's not a ton of good happening no <laughs> throughout the story yeah but john is the closest the closest to, to good which is not saying much the closest yeah. to good <laughs> we have to pick and choose here okay so 10 months after these colonists arrive under john white's leadership to roanoke island the colonists beg john to go back to england and tell raleigh and the queen that it is brutal here that they need a ton of help they're out of all of their materials yeah and, they need resources they need resources and like all of the ships that had previously come like came a little bit too late or the seeds were there too late and they weren't able to to like plant them in yeah. time for growing season so Basically, it was just like a series of unfortunate events that led them into starvation, similar to Lane's colony as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're super unprepared. They need backup. So they're like, please, John, please go back. And John doesn't really want to go, but he agrees. And he gets back to England finally in 1588 and is ready to grab a ton of supplies and is planning to just turn right back around, go back to Roanoke. But there's one big roadblock in his ship's path, and that is that the Anglo-Spanish War has broken mm. out. He is not able to return to Roanoke until 1590, which is three whole years later. And he left his daughter, his son-in-law, and their newborn there when he, they yes. when he left. Like he left everyone, 115 people. When at least she's she's the his granddaughter's going to be three yeah. years old when he returns. Yeah. that is so much time. Yeah. Okay. So imagine you're someone in this colony, right? You were promised a shit ton of land. You are promised gold and sassafras and all of these amazing things that will make you all this money and life is going to be easy and life is going to be happy and everybody around you and the Native people are going to be harmonious with you and everything's going to go your way. And that is absolutely not what happened. The first thing you see is a a dead comrade on on the beach and just everything is screwed up yeah and then your leader who's in charge of your safety and comfort is like brb i'm gonna go get more supplies and then you leave the chat you wait leaves the chat you're like a few months i can do this there's 100 plus of us yeah a few more months you're like okay this isn't really that great he should be back soon and the seasons start changing the hurricanes dump rain on you they tossle your encampments the ground gets hard your crops die your hopes die and you might die so what would Eek. you do if you were in that scenario? Run. This. Flee. Right? Okay. Yep. And that is uh, one of the theories. Ask because for this aliens is the question that everybody's. To abduct me. Please. <laughs> please. 
please. Okay. August 26, 2023. Aliens, please abduct Sabrina. It's her 30th birthday. We need to manifest. Please. I will be in Italy. (laughs) If you need to know where I am, I'll be in Florence, Italy at a wedding. I'll be ready. Really? Mm -hmm. You have one on your birthday next year? In Italy? Mm -hmm. You need to stop having friends that have (laughs) weddings in Italy. This is your like third or fourth one. Third, yeah. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Wow. Nonstop. Well, it's fun to go to Europe. It is very fun. Okay, so this is the age-old question for the mystery of Roanoke, is what did these people decide? What would you do if you were in this scenario? And it is a question that's been around for centuries, and it's a question that John White asked for the rest of his life. For when he returned three years later to his colony of 100-plus people, they had vanished. Yeah. Upon arriving to the coastline, John White and his fleet first anchor at Croatoan Island on August 12th, 1590. In case people forgot what what year we're in. (laughs) They see some plumes of smoke in the distance at Roanoke Island. And so they're like, ooh, the colony. They're there. So they sail over. However, the weather is super bad. The sea is tossing them all over the place. So they spend two days attempting to cross the Pamlico Sound, which is the largest lagoon in North America's east coast. And people die. Like, this is not easy sailing for them to get there. It's basically only 50 miles apart, but the sea... The weather is brutal. The fact that they can see plumes of smoke and yet it takes them days to get there. It totally does. And yeah, it's super, super bad. People are dying, but that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to come back and and basically like find all of the the colonists that they left behind. Uh, So on August 17th, they see fire again on the north end of Roanoke and they start rowing towards it. So they leave the larger ship. They get in smaller boats and they row towards the land, but they can't fully make it to shore. So they anchor their smaller boats and they loudly sing songs. They play a trumpet, hoping that the colonists would hear them and know that the crew had returned with provisions and will anticipate their arrival. Happy arrival. Yeah. Yep. Here we are. We're coming. It's taking us a while. But we're coming. Sucking right now, but we're coming. So on the morning of August 18th, it's John's granddaughter's third birthday now. Today is her birthday. Oh, sad. What a great present, right? So he's going to come to shore. He's going to see his family. He's going to see the colonists. He's going to bring them all the supplies that they so badly needed. Hooray. He's a hero. Everyone's happy. Celebrations. John and the men walk onto the shorelines, and they see fresh tracks in the sand. But no one comes out to greet them. Uh Surely this person would have heard them singing and playing their trumpet, right? Or they would have spotted their boat in the morning, especially if there were fresh tracks. They would have seen them, right? Uh, But no one's there. And so they continue walking up the shoreline and into the tree line. They pass a tree with the letters C-R-O carved into it. Crow. A clue, maybe. They continue on to the colony site, getting to the palisade, which is this fence that the colony had created from trees to sort of fortify their home. And one of the posts at the front of the entrance also had C-R-O carved into it. But this time, the word was completed. Croatoan, it read. A clue. The group must have picked up and moved camp from Roanoke Island to Croatoan Island. So before White left, he had actually talked to the group about what to do if they were in distress. And they agreed that if something happened, if they needed to leave, if there was some sort of distress and they couldn't stay on Roanoke Island, that uh, they would leave this image of a Maltese cross, which if you Google it, which I did, it looks like four arrows basically pointing into each other. Right. Like a four-leaf clover of arrows. So this is not a Maltese cross. But to John, this is still a message telling him where to find this group. 
So the rescue party is like, all right, this makes sense. But we also did just spend some time anchored off of Croatoan Island, and we didn't really spot any activity there. So that would be strange if 100-plus people were there, right. and we didn't see any yeah. signs. So the group continues. They're looking around this fort around Roanoke that is totally abandoned for any more And, like, up and, and vanished abandoned. Been, like, everything. Up and vanished. Like, no one grabbed the anything. houses had been cleanly dismantled. Yeah. Like, they... It was like someone took time to take things away. There really was not much evidence mm-hmm. left. The weapons were left behind, though, too. Like, it wasn't like, oh, they were looking for... And they were, like... Or they were in, like, distress and they had a fight. Right. And, like, little bits of pottery and stuff. But, like, the boats were taken. It was more of just, like, a here's here's where you... Your encampment, where you spent yeah. a bunch of time. And now you're taking, like, most of your stuff. It, w- it seemed like a gentle move, but also a very quick move with no real so evidence as to where you went i i was reading about this and i think it was during john white's or, or i can't remember it was one of the times that they got there they had made a plan for like the buildings and everything and it was supposed to be like the big fence around the entire city so like the like houses huts whatever and then mm-hmm. the market square but apparently when they built it they actually built the fence only around the market square and then the houses were like outside of it, which is like a silly thing. Like that doesn't really protect you. And then they were all right. constructed to very easily come down so you can transport them if you had to move your location. But if these are taken apart but not transported, it's like, well, these were built specifically for that purpose. Yeah. I mean, I think they were taken though. They were oh, I, they were taken down and moved. Oh. I think there was a lot that, that uh, had been gone. I mean, they were still like – slight evidence that there had been people there like for example um a few items were left behind that were too large and too heavy Mm. or were no use to them one of them being john's belongings (laughs) they left all of his stuff i mean kind of nice because they're like he'll come back for this yeah which is even more mysterious because it feels that feels so intentional then right yeah but his his trunks were not safe they were looted but Mm. it does it's like okay to, to John, right, he's, like, seeing that a lot was dismantled, a lot was was brought somewhere, and that somewhere must be Croatoan Island because that's all that's written right. there. That's the only clue. And how else would it make sense for them to leave his stuff at the spot where he said he'd come back to and then just up and vanish? Yeah, that's mysterious. It is strange. Yeah. So he's, like, they must have relocated. There's no sign of retreat under duress. Like you said, there's some weapons there, like there's no bodies, there's no signs yeah. of famine or like cannibalism. There's or, no blood, or anything yeah, like that. Nothing. They're just gone. Yeah, they're just gone. So Croatoan is clearly where John and the guys need to go next. So they plan to go investigate the next morning, but their boat's anchor, the main boat that they had, snapped, and they only had one more left. And with the churning seas, it was way too risky for them to stay and risk the boat losing another cable, the last cable, uh, and becoming shipwrecked. So the crew asked John if he wanted to head south to the Caribbean for the winter and then come back next spring and pick up their search for this group. And he said, yes. So that's their plan. But the winds, the sea is wild. The winds end up blowing them so far off course that they end up having to just go back to England. Nothing is in their favor in this situation. Nothing is in their favor. Like nothing's going right. No. Yeah. Right. Which is which is unfortunate because then there's so much time passing between when these colonists were last seen and when people are actually like on the ground yeah. looking for them. There's really small concentrated periods of time yeah. 
in really like stretched out duration. Like it, the search was basically over like a hundred years. And the initially. fact that they left, the fact that John and the crew were not able to come back until for three years. Like think about how uncharted the territory and land was during this time. So truly like th- in three years, like it could have been like John left and three days later they picked up and moved, you know? So like that could right? be two and a half years, t- almost three years of of them moving and relocating. Right. And who's to say how far away they went? Exactly. Right? You know, like you go somewhere, you make relations with the the native people 50 miles west and they tell you, oh, I think you the crops that you have and the soil you're looking for is actually another 100 miles north. Yeah. Like, they just can keep, keep going. going. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you, they really have no idea what's going yeah. on. Um, so there's a few more official search expeditions that take place. The final one being in 1603, but the colonists of Roanoke were never found they were lost. And so there are a few theories as to what happened to them. And one fact that is up for debate as well is that some people don't think that John White had actually returned or had headed to the Caribbean and then returned to England. Mm-hmm. Some people think that he did stay a whole year or or through the winter looking for the colonists because he was looking for his daughter yeah, and his so granddaughter. Personal. Like it was his family. Um, that's up for debate, but regardless of whether he stayed or not, there were no extra right. clues. There was nothing else found. Yeah. Oh, I wrote down this one fun fact that we should definitely say. Oh, fun fact. So his his daughter, Eleanor Dare, was one of 17 women who came to establish this colony. And she gave birth to Virginia Dare, who was the first child of English parents born in North America. Whoa. So Virginia is pretty special. And hopefully she lived past infancy. It's one of those things that I am so curious if with technology like 23andMe today, if there's a way to trace their ancestry. Okay, so there is actually a big ancestry tracing project going on for Roanoke. Uh, They haven't found any clues Mm. yet, but they are trying to. They said one of the difficulties is that because it's it's, the ancestors would be from the 1500s. Yeah, how do you get there? By then... Your DNA is so incredibly diluted that yeah. some people might have like no seeable trace of Whoa. any ancestral lineage to the people. So, you know, if we had DNA evidence 200 years prior to here, we probably could see and trace it. Right. But right now it's it's so far removed that it's really difficult. That's fair. But they're trying. There is a project that is taking into consideration DNA evidence as to what happened to these people. Yeah. Did anyone I mean, from the this gives me so much live. Outlander vibes, which if you haven't heard me talk about Outlander, you guys, you got to watch it. But it is really interesting. Like, could you imagine finding out that you're related to John White and Eleanor and this family and right. tracing back your, oh, it's just so fascinating. Virginia Dare. Yeah. Yes. I know. that. Would, I mean, that would be incredible if that happened. I hope that there's some sort of evidence that comes out that these people did continue yeah, to live. To live. Yeah. Okay. But a popular theory is that the colony assimilated into various tribes utilizing more of the land further inland from Roanoke. Like Kind of like what you said. They picked up camp. They, they continued on mm-hmm. and found a place that would actually assist them in living. Yeah. <laughs> so there are or there were a few accounts from both European colonists and Native chiefs that suggest this could be true. Yeah. Captain John Smith, the one depicted in Pocahontas, a movie which we all know has a million and one problems, when he stumbled upon a promising clue when he was captured by the Poetan and met with their chief, Wahunsnaka, which is Poc- or was Pocahontas's father. Yeah. 
and Wahans Naka's brother. So John Smith, when he was captured, they told him of a place called Okanahonan, which I really tried to look up the pronunciation of that and I could not find it anywhere. Mm. So uh, if you know it, please let us yeah. know. Um, but this place, Okanahonan, was where men wore European style clothing and had houses with walls. And there were even more villages like this uh, that had reports of these men in European clothing too. And so they drew a map for John Smith with these locations. So basically saying like there's clusters of these people that are not dressed to traditional right. native clothing. It's very much European. There was also these houses that were supposedly seen that were like two-story with thatched roofs, like things that, that weren't in native building plans right. at all. And so they're like, oh my gosh, this is totally evidence that the colonists dispersed and right. integrated with other people. So John Smith's men later investigate the areas that were drawn out for them, but they have nothing to show for it. Still yeah. no colonists. Wasn't and there soon also they have like to stop their shirts? I thought Pocahontas's father also. It, it's it's interesting because I feel like there's so many. This story became such like uh, mm -hmm. like now like you know obviously news travels very differently, but like it became so public and everyone was trying to figure this out that like people were spreading rumors and telling different stories and like there were certain tribes that were taking credit for like murdering everyone. He did he did tell John or apparently he told John Smith that he murdered them. Yeah. But he said it was like a, they were all here, but not, I killed not them anymore. All. I murdered them. Yeah, <laughs> I killed them all. But they they still went. Yeah, yeah, they still went looking for them. Yeah. And John John Smith's men are they have to stop because uh, they were hit with a drought and they suffered from starvation and they turned to cannibalism to survive. So that is sick. There's a lot of evidence sick. that 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 group it's very yellow jackets uh, in Jamestown, Virginia turned to cannibalism. You know, so over the years, more people have gathered funding and permission to go and look for the colonists with the permission of like the queen and British royalty. But upon their return, they had nothing to show for it and also no proof that they'd actually gone and looked at all. So a lot of people were using this mystery and the colonists' disappearance as an excuse to go pirating. Of course. So not that many people looked for them. So sometime later, William Strachey arrives in Jamestown and he starts to gather information on Virginia and the various colonies and the native populations in the area. And this is where he hears that there were colonists, that they were never named the Lost Colony of Roanoke, but there were definitely some missing colonists here, which is like, how many missing colonists are there? Right. This has to be the Roanoke people. But he hears that they lived peacefully for 20 years with a tribe just beyond the Powhatan territory. Hmm. But then the potent people killed them in cold blood. Interesting. One thing to consider. I mean, maybe this is true. We don't know. We don't what know. We don't know any answers here. Yeah. We don't know any answers. Uh, but at this point, this is not a group of this colony is not a group of soldiers. Right. This is a group of men, women, and now quite a few children. Yeah. Uh, so I can't imagine that there'd be something where two hundred people would need to be slaughtered. Especially because there was no way – if this colony hadn't stuck together, they would have had to split into smaller groups because there was no way that a group of 100-plus people could join with a lot of the, like, known tribes in the area mm -hmm. and and sustain because they were just really, really big. There's so many And they also them. carried a ton of diseases yeah. with them, you know? Yeah. So another thing to consider um, in terms of this guy William Strachey's account – is that this is probably not true what he said mm -hmm. uh, because he said that they killed him in cold blood because 
there was some potent priests that got a message saying that they needed to kill them and blah, blah, blah. So he had actually thought at, at the time that the Poetan religion was satanic mm. and that they communed with the devil. So he was basically just trying to create a witch hunt. Right. Is what happened. Right. It's, yeah, it's like the differences of religion. It is interesting to me though, because I mean, obviously survival outweighed like everything in that time and it still does. But mm -hmm. like, if you are the colony of Roanoke and you decide to move because the resources are limited and maybe someone, you know, went on a little expedition and was like, oh, I found this place hundreds of miles away, but like we can get there by, by foot in a couple months. And it, there's way more resources. There's like fresh water, whatever it may be. Don't you think that someone would be like, well, we should send someone back here every so often to check for John and the other people who said that they were going to come back? Yeah, that makes sense, right? It's not that far away. Yeah. And wouldn't you – I mean, it seems like all of the native groups in the area, like they had communicate – their chiefs and their their leaders had – communication with one another and yeah and knew what was going on in the area so you would think that there would be some sort of version of that too where like through the grapevine at least some communication yeah that more people had come yeah and yeah 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 so it's very it's very very strange um it's also quite possible that the colonists never wanted to be found mm. because history and and uh evidence shows that in colonial era the people who spent a lot of time with the native americans or were maybe kidnapped by the Native Americans, adopted their culture and lifestyle, and they really enjoyed life, and they didn't want to return. Interesting. It sounds like and you running into the woods. I know. And at first I was like, Stockholm Syndrome? But then I was like, no, because the evidence also shows that on the flip side, any Native people who were taken by the Europeans and spent a lot of time with them and were made to sort of like adopt their some of their lifestyle uh, didn't feel the same way at all and really wanted to return home. Yeah. So – yeah. It's possible. But it's just weird for like 115 plus people to all have that same opinion right. and, and growing, right. you know, it's just. And not be seen, you know. a lot of people. Not be stumbled upon. Yeah. It is. Uh, possible sightings of the lost colony of Roanoke continued to surface. Some described pale skinned people with blonde hair living amongst the tribes. There was a boy with gray eyes and blonde hair that was written about in one of the explorer's journals. Oh. Uh, but researchers today do believe that this is maybe not an actual person from the lost colony but maybe a, a sighting of someone with albinism because it was much more frequent to have someone born mm. uh, with albinism in native american groups interesting other accounts tell of native tribes who have the two-story cottages the fetched roofs uh, and some of the people in these tribes would know English. They could read and write in English. They had English surnames. But also, I will say, like, there's been a lot – there's been many years of colonization at this point. So it's possible that they just learned that without without being – without reproducing right. and marrying yeah. colonists and continuing the bloodline. But there's also another clue that backs up the claim that the people dispersed and integrated uh, with the people. And that is another inscription on a tree. So remember, at Roanoke Island, there was Crow, and then there was Croatoan. Yep. Now, on Croatoan Island, there was a tree that said Cora, C-O-R-A. On the mainland was a very small native tribe called the Cori, also known as the Coronine, the Coronin. Hmm. Uh, so people are thinking maybe this could be another clue saying that they had moved from Croatoan Island 
to live with the Cory people. But unfortunately, lightning struck this tree and there was a lot of decay. And so we can't actually measure accurately when this inscription on the tree was carved. So we don't know. So much mystery. Additionally, so much mystery. The Lumbee tribe. Did you hear about the Lumbee tribe when you were I don't think, listening to uh, different I don't know. podcasts? Okay. So the Lumbee tribe, depending on who you ask, claims to be the descendants of both native people and Roanoke colonists. So there could be some truth to the theory. And then, of course, like the DNA research is is being done to see if if they can even do any trace evidence. But apparently with the Lumbee tribe, half of them are saying that, yes, they're descendants of the Roanoke colonists, the lost colony of Roanoke. Um, But then other people are saying that's not necessarily an exact truth um, and not our our roots. Mm. Okay, so now for centuries, everyone has discussed Roanoke as this mysterious event where the only clue left behind was the word Croatoan inscribed on a tree. But there were a few more clues, almost like a treasure hunt that made lead us back to the colony. From 1937 to 1941, 43 stones were found from North Carolina to Atlanta, and they were thought to be clues. Yeah. The first was discovered by a California man who was driving through North Carolina, and he was exploring alongside the road. He pulled over and was looking around, and he came across a 21-pound rock engraved with some strange markings and a linguistically older version of English, which we now know was, what was it? It was like Elizabethan English. Mm. It spoke of war and hardship over a two-year span, And the author, addressing their father, wrote that half of them were dead, including their father's son-in-law and granddaughter. This inscription was signed with the same initials as John White's daughter, Eleanor Dare. And so the man who discovered this rock, he had no idea what it was. He just thought it was pretty cool and was probably important. Yeah. So he brings it to a college. He sells it to a professor. And this professor makes the error of publicizing it, offering a reward for any more stones that turn up and are found like this. So soon, Gets 42 more stones yeah. <laughs> make their way into his possession over a three or four year span. Collectively, these 43 stones are referred to as the Dare Stones. But the 42 additional stones that were given to him after the original end up being traced back to a single stone cutter. They were forgeries. They yeah. were a hoax. They were There's fake. some guy and trying to make some the money. original, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... You have to be pretty confident in your in yourself, <laughs> and also like to do 42 that. Forty two is kind of over the top, sir. Like, I don't know, maybe like two or three more at max. Right, forty two is a lot. Yeah, and it's like, how did he know he got enough greedy. information about Roanoke mm-hmm. at the time? Yeah, and also he, he wasn't. He didn't. Part of the reason why it was an easy easy forgery discovery was because the way that he was writing, like, Yeah, it wasn't the right language. Yeah. It was off. Like, it, he was using words that didn't <laughs> yeah. exist in the vocabulary at like, the time. It's like... Dummy. If you're going to do this, either use fewer words... Yeah. Or, like, do a lot of research. It's, like, most likely to be a Tinder swindler in my yearbook is his, <laughs> is his category. The Tinder swindler. He tried. He tried, but he failed. <laughs> failed big time. But the original stone still hasn't been disputed as fake. Mm-hmm. It might it might be something. So it's still being researched, but based on the top layers of weathered rock in comparison to deeper rock in it, uh, it's thought to have been etched a few hundred years ago. So this is a promising lead. But again, no real conclusion. Weren't there like then, patches on it or something like that? Like they had like covered up something and one of them didn't reveal anything and then another one did? I'll tell you, that's, that's a part two. Okay. Oh, so sorry. You gotta wait. That's okay. I got excited. You gotta wait. Okay. In 2012, 
a real break in the case happens. In a very Indiana Jones meets National Treasure fashion, researchers at the First Colony Foundation were examining a map at the British Museum in London, and this map was one that John White had painted, titled La Virginia Pars. And under the right lighting, when they had the map backlit, invisible ink (gasps) became noticeable. A secret message appeared, and X marked the spot to be continued next week. Shut up. <laughs> Isn't it so good? I was like, X marks a spot? What? Corinne. So good. What a cliffhanger. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay, I will be mad though if, I mean, spoiler alert, that's still, oh, it's still a mystery. They're never found. Yeah, it's still, it's still, <laughs> still a, mystery. a mystery. But I would be bummed if John White, this guy who like left for three years, came back and is the reason we know that there is a missing colony of Roanoke had some information and never told anyone about it. You know, like that would be disappointing to me. It is a theory that we will discuss in part two. <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, hard. I literally, I, I started writing part two and I'm like halfway through it, but I, I have almost everything done yeah. for like finishing up this part of part two. And there was part of me where, where I was like, should I just say it? Should I just include it in this episode? And I was like, no, 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 no. no. leave. It's suspenseful. It part two. Yeah. Corinne, Part two, we'll find out great way what to happened tell a story. on the secret treasure map. Ooh. You like that cliffhanger? That I was love good. It. And I secret. We were we've been talking about invisible ink a lot lately. I feel like I shouldn't I know. I think that's gonna be my like my MO now is any because I because obviously my journals are gonna be very important in a hundred years. Um in everything that I do, I'm gonna start <laughs> writing things in invisible ink. Just for like hopefully one day someone's curious. Maybe my maybe it's my children. Who knows? And mm, I'm going to mm-hmm. leave important messages in invisible ink, and I can't wait for it. I think that's a good idea. I think you and I should should get the same invisible ink kit, and then we can yes. just send each other messages. Messages. I love it. I'm going to send you like some it's going to look like right blank now. pieces of paper in the mail, and it's probably just going to say like "Hi," period, and that's it. Hi. <laughs> it's like when I sent you a message that you had to convert in web yes. font. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I'm so into this. Let's do it. We love this we type love of story, this. right? We like, like heat it up underneath to like treasure see. hunt. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So good. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, one secret I won't keep from everyone is my obsession with HelloFresh because everyone needs to enjoy it with me. It is so freaking good. Everything they have. So I'm like, good. Ugh, I want it now. I'm, my mouth is watering. HelloFresh is here to make your hectic fall weeknights a little bit easier and a lot more delicious. Their quick and easy meals, including 20 minute meals, are low prep. They have easy cleanup options. They really just take the stress out of mealtime with time-saving, no-fuss recipes ready in a snap, which is helpful for me because I don't have the patience to cook anything that takes more than 30 minutes. (laughs) And they have more than just dinners. You can shop HelloFresh Market for quick breakfasts, wholesome snacks, even desserts. You'll find everything you need to satisfy your cravings without stepping foot in the grocery store or mini mart. You get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep which is great. And it comes like with the pre-portioned ingredients. So you're not wasting anything, which is really also very nice. It is very nice. So you guys should all try it because Sabrina and I are eating it and we're freaking loving it. Go to hellofresh.com slash TGOG16 and use code TGOG16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Again, go to hellofresh.com slash TGOG16 and use code TGOG16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. I'm very curious 
what you picked out for a listener email. So this to was difficult. Coincide with Roanoke esque. I know. And then of course we made it a two parter. Well, okay. So I basically my go to for this was to pick something outdoorsy and woodsy because Roanoke is just that. And yep. I basically was like trying to f- channel because American Horror Story did a Roanoke season. And so I was just like trying to like, mm-hmm. obviously that's not fact or based on much truth because it's fictional. But I was trying to like channel that when I was searching for stories. So. Ooh, I love it. Didn't Roanoke, didn't they make, did they make John White's? I'm trying to think of who Kathy Bates played. Was she supposed to be John White's wife? Oh, I don't remember. Who never came. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, it was such a good season of American Horror Story. It was. But yes, not not very factual at all. Not at all. Okay. But so I picked a story from our listener, Becca, and it's called Scariest Moment in My Life. Hey, ladies. Uh Uh-oh. I just recently started listening to your podcast, and I'm completely in love. My coworker who introduced me to your show, hello, coworker and pyramid schemer, and welcome. (laughs) That's a bump up on the... Pyramid. That is the triangle. Yeah. Welcome to the triangle. Thank Why you for participating. So, oh wow, yours oh. is so much bigger than mine. We're, we're this is for YouTubers. Yeah. <laughs> the YouTube watchers. My coworker and I throw our earbuds in and hit play at the same time so we can listen together in the loud ass restaurant kitchen <laughs> we work in. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. That is. We love your energy, love your content. I have a super crazy story that happened back when I was in high school that I still can't explain. I'd think I was crazy, except my buddies who I went camping with that night experienced it as well. My family owned a secluded private lake spot that me and my friends basically lived at every summer. So cool. This is also the beginning of like a horror movie already. I know. That's exactly what I was thinking. You were like, so cool. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was a- Sounds a little bit scary. A little, little spooky. It was a long dirt road that traveled through a field and the grass on both sides of this road was taller than any of our cars. When you hit the lake access, it was a small parcel boxed by four weeping willows. Oh, beautiful. And it was fenced in with rusted barbed wire that was meant to keep the cows out of the nice grass years prior. (laughs) Four of my friends and myself decided to go camping up there. And when the sun went down, we pitched our tents and I backed my pickup up to the fire so I could sleep in the bed of it with my best boy in the world, my dog, Buddy. My friend Celia's tent was pitched right next to my truck while our three guy friends went night fishing on the dock not far from where we were sleeping. Celia tuckered down in the tent while I curled up in the bed of my truck with my fur baby. And all of a sudden, Buddy starts panting and pacing the full length of the pickup. He even hops up, balancing on the edge of the bed, whining and drooling. This was extremely odd behavior for him, and it gave me a not-so-great feeling in my gut. Trust your pets. Yeah. I tried calming him, but I still had this horrible feeling I couldn't shake. So I sat up and started looking around, everything being cast in that small campfire glow, and I noticed something white crouching at the base of a tree to my left. Thinking it's my friend Celia just squatting to pee away from the tent because she went to bed in a white sweatshirt, I called her name. Celia? No answer. No movement. Thinking she didn't hear me and my heart completely pumping out of my chest, I call again, but louder. Celia? Celia then answers from inside her tent next to my pickup. And the exact same time, this white object stands up in a human-like way and steps calmly behind the tree. 
I freak out, oh, but only my voice. Ew, I hate that. I know. Because then it's it makes it less animalistic, you know? Like it, the fact that it's consciously knowing what to do and what it should be. Like it's not just a deer being like, ah, and right. leaping away. And the fact that it waited. It's like slowly rise and make myself less known. And the fact that it waited until Celia responded because it was like getting away with looking like Celia for a second. Right. And then it was like, oh, now she knows I'm not Celia. I'm going to. This is some uh, flush pedestrian behavior. Yeah. My body is completely frozen. I yell for my guy friends out on the dock and they all come running. Once they hit the pickup, the thing darts from behind the tree and jumps through the fence. My friends all see this. So they believe me when I say that there was something there. Of course, being 17-year-old country boys, they wanted to show off their fearlessness, so they dart off into the road, shining flashlights into the grass in the same direction that this thing went in. My buddy Alex, showing his small 22 pistol, is yelling out for whoever is in the grass to come out. And then the grass fucking parts. Like if you were to move it in a circular motion with two hands out in front of you, only to show two red eyes staring back at us. Now, this is giving me... This is giving the cornfield in signs. Yes. Right? Or like children uh, of the corn. Right. We see nothing else except for these two red eyes. I let out a small squeal and the boys literally gasp as the red eyes stare at us as they slowly crouch closer to the ground and then slowly fucking disappear. We all literally run to the truck, leaving everything there and peel out towards home and could not sleep the rest of the night. I can't even capture the true feelings I had that night, but damn, I actually talked to an older man who had a similar experience with those same red eyed monsters around the same area. And it was so nuts. I 100% believe in the supernatural and I have stories of kettle steaming without my burners on or hearing footsteps through my halls. All of these circumstances happened in my younger days, but every now and then I something happens and I convince myself it's just a normal random occurrence. Thank you for reading my story. I hope you enjoyed it. It's something I'll never forget. You guys are absolutely wonderful and be safe out there in this crazy world, Becca. I don't want that experience. No, I don't. Sometimes, sometimes part of me is like, oh, wouldn't that be cool if I were there? Wouldn't that be cool if I had seen that? This is horrifying. horrifying. What is it? I don't know. And I'm curious what this older man said about his experience with these red-eyed monsters in the same area. And what is this area? Right. Can we look it up? Like, it, it's just so – because it's interesting. Like, we've heard about cryptids, and I feel like oftentimes they're seen accidentally. But these – whatever this is, is very intentionally staring and watching and mocking. Like, the fact that it, like, parted the mm-hmm. tall grass and then yes. stared at all of them yes. with its red – creepy ass eyes it's so like i'm trying to think of what it could be and i feel like it doesn't really match perfectly with anything that uh, at least that i'm the way i'm picturing it it doesn't match with anything in particular that we've discussed oh but it's also kind of feeling alien-esque in a way like it's almost making me wonder was this a weird spaceship that crashed and then this is the result of the alien creatures that are left here but then also it's it's a little it's a li- little animal ask oh, too. Yeah. But it re- but the fact that it stood up in a human like I feel like Becca very clearly saw a human shape. At first it was squatting and then it stood up right. and was very humanoid. It reminds me of what were those creatures? The rake? The the rake. Yeah. 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 It does, right? Because th- that one picture that's of like the rake crouched yeah. over going <laughs> in the woods. It's not like from the deer camp. <laughs> it that's yeah, totally what I'm picturing. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm weird. Just, uh, it's gross. Yeah, it's super. But I also am intrigued. Annoying. 
And the fact that it didn't just like run away, like the fact that all these boys now are running after it and it mockingly was like, I know you weren't looking for me, but I'm not scared. I'm going to scare you. And that there's more of them. Yeah, Becca, we need to know what it this sounds man like, said. And wait, where is this? Did We don't know. Do we know? So Becca, you need to tell us where this is and where do we have you been back <laughs> since? Because I don't think I would ever be able to go back after that. I know. And then do any of our listeners, like, does anyone else know what this is or have any similar experiences to this or is creature? this one of you? Are you this creature? Please tell us. Is this what a werewolf actually is? <gasps> it's like someone, someone's actually a werewolf, but unfortunately they have mange in their werewolf form. Mm. And so they're just kind of like, like a, a naked mirror of werewolves. Yeah. They're like, oopsie. <laughs> I can't show myself. Don't judge me. Yeah. I don't know. It's the back and forth. Like you want to attack, but then you're also like, I'm also really self-conscious. <laughs> werewolves are so self-conscious too. Just peek. Or what if they just want to be friends? What if this thing is so big that we think it's like this grown beast, but really it's just a little wee baby who wants to hang out and have friends and socialize? I'm just a baby. Yeah, but then don't be so creepy about it, you know? It doesn't know. But then also, yeah, it's real. I, I don't know why I'm starting to be like, it just wants to be friends. No, I agree. That's what it I wants mean, you to think, Corinne. Right. And let's have some survival instincts here. Let's not. Yeah. Try to befriend this weird, it just, strange, it's foreign creature from us that is intimidating us yeah. in the field. And also to draw this back to Roanoke, like it's so interesting. Like I don't think anyone is trying to argue that like, oh, the Roanoke colony or colonists were abducted by aliens or taken by cryptids because I don't think that's ever really necessarily been a argument. But it does make me wonder, like you're out in the middle of the wilderness. You maybe are running out of resources. There are diseases maybe Mm -hmm. you've never dealt with. There's hysteria. There's, you know, there's just so many psychological things on top of physical things that could have happened. And I do imagine like, I mean, how uncharted that territory was Yes, there are tribes and natives living there, but are there cryptids and other creatures and monsters? And there's just a lot of things that they could have experienced and seen in the wilderness that might have been like, you need to, we need to flee. And that's another reason why they probably should have befriended and been kind the whole time to the native groups that were living nearby as well, because I feel like we, that's the best source of truth. Yeah. And even though sometimes we consider it lore today or people say, oh, that's just lore. Like, I think a lot of those things are very much fact. And there's a lot that people who've been here for way more centuries and thousands of years than than we have, have seen and have passed on the knowledge of and understand how to exist or not exist around these things. And it's something that as a foreigner, you don't know what you're getting no, into. You don't know what's best. I actually just watched the movie The Northman. Have you seen the I've never trailer heard of that. for it? It's um no. one of the Scars Guards, Nicole Kidman, um Ooh. the girl from The Witch. Anything it's the Nicole same Kidman is in. It's the same person who did The Witch. Oh, okay, that yeah. will be good. A- anyway, I mean, well, you saw it. What did you think? Um it's very fascinating. So it's like kind of viking type of lifestyle, but mm-hmm. it's a horror about like a the son of like who is like a rightful heir of his like tribe of people flees as a young child and comes back to try to take what's rightfully his and there's just a lot of like mysticism and spirituality involved in it like I just think there's so many early day cultures that were so inherently in tune with the universe and spirits and 
mysticism that Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to see those stories represented and told. But yeah, again, like there's some truth in it and they really understood the ways of the world and still do in ways that I think our modern brains are like, yeah, we know best. It does make me wonder though, in like 300, 400 years, what we believe to be so such an absolute truth today that people are going to be like, can you believe that this whole group of people thought this isn't the, there's, that was crazy time to be alive. Yeah. Because I'm going to be a ghost. I'm going to be a ghost and I'm going to come and I'm going to be a, I'm going to be very vocal and like haunt the shit out of everyone and prove that ghosts exist. And everyone's going to be like, I can't believe people 300 years ago didn't believe in ghosts. Duh. And then you're going to poke them and you're going to put on your sheet (laughs) and you're just going to wander through and be like, you want to know how? Tune into Two Girls, One Ghost. It's a 400-year-old podcast, but it will give you all the answers. Find my journals with invisible ink and you'll learn more. (laughs) (laughs) A SIM card just gets like placed and they're like, what ancient technology is this? What is this? USBs. Yeah. USBs. Oh my gosh. Floppy disk. We've seen we've seen a lot. We were we were the floppy disk, the VHS. We were, we've seen a lot. Yeah. VHS. Cassette tapes. Cassettes? Mm-hmm. Oh, all of our parents' cars had the cassette tapes yeah. in them still. Yeah. Wow. We've seen some things. And if you've seen some things. And apparently <laughs> so have you. Yeah. And if you have, so. email them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We are taking stories about literally anything and everything. It can be ghostly it could be cryptid it could be aliens it could be spooky it could be happy it could be sad it could be literally not about the paranormal but like a crazy wild story that happened to you wild just just anything yeah if you just like had Mm -hmm. something you wanted to like get off your chest and you haven't told anyone email us dear diary diary dear sven dear sven yeah sven will not respond uh well he might show up in your home and haunt you um hey yeah i mean you might respond we just don't know in what way yeah that's a risk you're willing to take if you're listening to two girls one ghost it is because we are the most haunted podcast in america and i feel like we uh continue to earn that title so (laughs) it wasn't a one-time thing no it's continuous Continuous. so tell your friends you can support us in multiple ways by yep pyramid scheming tell two people have those people tell two people it's about our podcast it's spooky season as you learned Spice lattes, pumpkin spice lattes are out officially, meaning um, everyone is looking for something spooky to listen to. So send them our way. Now's our time to shine. It's our season. We have YouTube. If you want to visually watch us. uh, and If you want to be those red eyes peering through the cornfield. Social media. Watch us on YouTube. Uh, And stick around because October is coming as well. Mm -hmm. Got some spooky things planned. Lots of them. Maybe a special (gasps) in there somewhere. Uh, and we do have part two of Roanoke yes. coming next week. And um, we have an Encounters on Thursday. And then part two will come out on Sunday. And we'll see you there. We hope to see you on this side. But if we do not, we will see you on the, the other, other side. side. Oh, wait. And thank you to our editors at Upfire Digital. Oh. Aiden Mann and Eric Foster. Max Lodian, all of them, everyone, we love you. Thank you for the whole editing. Team. Thank you. Okay, now. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.